You know, a few months back, I had wanted to begin this series, Tribe, that we're going through, because it is so important that we understand what we are to be for one another, what what the church is meant to be and what a, a community is meant to be. And a few months back when I had the idea of wanting to start Tribe, it was right before summer, and I thought, well, I don't want to do it during summer because everyone goes away during summer and is on vacation. I want you to be here when when this is happening. If I'm going to talk about Tribe and community, I want our community here while I'm talking about it. And so I, I was waiting for summer to come to an end to start this series. And as the summer was coming to the end, Ted came up to me and he said he wanted to do this connections that we we're going to be starting in September. And again, it, it's a similar idea of understanding our need to be with one another, to communicate with one another, learn how to communicate with one another. And so it, it was right alongside with that. And not only that, also my wife and a few other of the women here have been wanting to start a Celebrate Recovery, which is not just about alcohol and drug addiction, that is actually about people being able to deal with their hurts, their hang-ups, and their habits. And so before we talk a little bit more about that, we're going to show a little video. And so desiring to see our lives be healthy, we want to fulfill the law of Christ and bear one another's burdens, even as Galatians tells us. And so we are looking to start Celebrate Recovery. We're beginning the process of reaching out to others in our church body as well as our local community We'll soon begin a biblically-based study established on the Beatitudes. And if you would like more information about this ministry and a way to be involved, join us for this informational meeting on Sunday, next Sunday, the 30th at 1 o'clock there at the Genesis building. You can bring your lunch and join us for this time. I want you to see this as more than just what you might think of when you think of a recovery group. I want you to think of this as a way to be accountable to each other with a number of things. It might be how you're struggling in codependency. It might be that you're struggling in areas in relationships. You might be struggling with pornography. You might be having just hard time and maybe overeating, or it might be alcohol, it might be some drugs, it might be prescription drugs, it could be a number of things. I mean, I I could go on until I find your thing, because we all have something. We all have struggles that we go through. We all have burdens that we carry. We have the habits, we have our hang-ups, and we have our hurts. Maybe you have hurt people and are having a hard time even dealing with that. Or maybe you've been hurt by someone and have a hard time with forgiveness. You see, this is about recovering the life that God has called us to live. And I love that it's celebrating recovery because we are not focusing on the problem. We are focusing on the recovery. And it allows us an opportunity to grow 
closer as a community? What would happen if everyone knew that there was a safe place that you could go and deal with those hurts? What if everyone had the the freedom to be able to express the things that they're carrying, but they're so ashamed of it because they're worried about what people will think? Well, this is that place. And we want to make this something that not only we feel safe, but people in our community feel safe to come to as well. And so we are beginning this process, and so I hope that you'll come out to it. And if you're interested in any way, Come and see and check it out. It's going to be happening next Sunday again after our gathering at 1 o'clock at the Genesis building. And then it's going to be taking place every other week for a period of time and see how things develop. But those are the things that are going to be taking place. And again, this is all going along with what I believe God is, is doing in our midst. Last Sunday was an incredible time. If you were here last Sunday, it was a beautiful time where we got to see you minister to one another where we saw that what a tribe is meant to be is people who actually care are involved in the lives of the people around them. And it was beautiful for me to be able to stand here and see you encourage each other and clothe each other with that love and support one another. And it was wonderful as just you were overwhelmed and I saw the tears of emotion and just gratitude take place. You see, one of the things that is necessary for us to to recognize is what we are called to be is a tribe that the church is God's agenda for the world. And what people see in our community are the things that they need in their lives. And that is the draw that is there. And so we are continuing our series, Tribe. What I want to look at today is really the story that we carry with us. As we are this gathering of people with a purpose, with intention following the call that Jesus has left to us. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15, that his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. And Paul's talking in Ephesians about both the Jews and the Gentiles, which was the rest of the world. And what God is calling to himself is one new humanity a new tribe, a new people, and what this people looks like is very important. And that's what this whole series is about. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You, the people, will be my witnesses. You see, a lot of times we think, oh, it's what we say that is going to be the witness, but it starts with who you are before it becomes what you say. What you say is irrelevant if it's not connected to who you are. And when he says, you will be my witnesses, what are we witnessing to? We're witnessing to the story that God has left us And the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God cares about you, cares about your neighbor, cares about everybody so much 
that he was willing to step into humanity, clothe himself with flesh and bone to become flesh and to carry our burdens, to bear our iniquity, our sorrow. Well, how do we know that? You are witness to that. You carry that story. You see, every tribe has a story that it carries, just like families. You ever get together with family, have a family gathering, maybe it's Thanksgiving, Christmas, and maybe you've seen a cousin that you haven't seen in a while, and or maybe your brothers and sisters come together and you start telling family stories. You know, the kids start getting older and now it's like, you know, we can start, you know, telling the stories that we couldn't tell our parents because now the, the, they can't punish us any longer. And you start hearing those things and you're like, oh my gosh, you did that? Oh, that's what that hole in the wall was from. You know, I never knew what that was about. And they start sharing the stories that make us the family. We remember the time when we were young and the things that we did that connect us as a family. And you see, we have a story that we are witnesses to. And we are carrying that story. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. And we're going to be going through Acts chapter 4. Because everyone is to carry the story. Everyone is to be witnesses. Every tribe has a shared history and a story to tell. And whoever tells the best story wins the culture. You see, whoever tells the story that people want to hear, people will be drawn to that story. We see that in society. We see that in the motion picture industry. I remember when Star Wars, the original one, came out, the first one, which was number three, which was a long time ago. It started a revolution in how people thought, even in religion. This whole idea of a force became very prominent. Why? Because they told a good story and it actually shaped society. And whoever tells the best story is going to have the ear of the culture. And we have a story that can't be beat. And so turn with me to Acts chapter 4. We're going to start at the end and I want to look at what, what this tribe looks like. Remember, What's taking place in the book of Acts is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. It is after the shadow of the cross. And we start to see what this new tribe looks like. We, we start to hear their story, see their witness. And from this, we get an idea of what we are supposed to be. And so let's start at verse 32. Acts 4, verse 32. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possession was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Notice those words, in them all. wasn't just a few, it was in them all. All the believers, here we're seeing what this tribe looks like. Verse 34, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, 
brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. What an amazing testimony to this group of people that they had one heart, one mind, that God was at work powerfully in them all. And I wonder what would move them to this place? What moves people from being a me to a we, from being mine to ours, to have a mentality that what I have is here for the sake of those around me? That everyone saw the needs of those people that were around them and they cared so much about those things that they didn't have anyone who was in need at all. You see, when you see something like that, it stands out. When you hear this story, it catches your ear. And the ones who were telling this story, the ones who were being witnesses of this story, were all the believers at that time. They were in one heart, one mind. They had this common goal. We are in this together. We are bearing witness of what Jesus has done, what Jesus has said. We are now fulfilling that and living that out in our lives. And this is what it looked like. And so they had needs and they would bring things to the apostles' feet and say, here, distribute this. They had confidence in them, which is curious in itself, because they could trust them to take care of the needs of the people that were there. And so many times we we see that there are needs that are unmet and there are concerns that we really just assume not here. I have my own problems. I have my own issues. I have my own struggles. I don't need yours. But you see, there has to be a change from this is my life to this is our life. A a tribe moves us from once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God where each person doesn't look out just for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. What would happen if a community was known for this? You see, what's taking place here parallels a lot what happened in Exodus. When the Lord brought them out of Egypt and now they were a a people, they were common. They went in as a family, as multiple families. They came out as a tribe. 12 tribes, but a common people, united. God delivered them. And so now we're seeing them delivered, but now not out of Egypt, but out of our own bondage and out of our own sin. And we start to see this story. And let's go back to verse 1 of chapter 4 as it unfolds. These apostles, who are these people who can be entrusted with these things? And we see in verse 4, or verse 1, chapter 4, the priests... And the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. 
they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They were telling the gospel. They were giving the story. And they were upset about this because it's going to steal their power. Verse 3, they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed so that the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The story they were telling captured the lives of the people who were hearing it. The message of who God was and what God did for them was overwhelming and 5,000 people heard the story, responded to it and believed the message. They were being these witnesses. Verse 5, the next day, the rulers and elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. And so the backstory is there was a man who was lame and they healed him in the name of Jesus and they saw this and it started such a problem as they were telling people this incredible news, this incredible story that Jesus was alive and Jesus was at work and Jesus healed this man. And it was something they could not argue with. I love verse 9. It says, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and then he was healed. You see, so many times what we do is we want to show a miraculous act. We want to see the miraculous, but if we would show the kindness and allow God to do the miraculous, he would. You see, the miraculous act came when they showed an act of kindness. I think we've got it backwards so many times. We want to see the miraculous and God is saying, I want you to do kindness and I will do the miraculous. And so here they are showing themselves followers, witnesses, proclaiming this story of who Jesus is. And now it's showing up in the lives of the people around them. People are hearing and seeing and following. They are hearing, they are seeing, and they are following. And then they have to stand before the high priest. Verse 13, verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given mankind by which we must be saved. They're, they're giving the gospel message. Verse 13 when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I love this verse. What was it about them that gave it away that they were unschooled and ordinary men? Was it their vocabulary? 
Was it their clothing? You see, we identify with so many things. I mean, we, we desire to be connected to something. We all do. We all want a tribe. Some people, it's sports, right? You have your sports tribe. It's the Dodgers, you know, if, if you're in a good tribe. You know, and then if you're fanatical, you know, there are people who are Raiders fans, okay? And so we have a Celebrate Recovery that's going to be taking place. On, no. You see, people get fanatic around their, their team and then they wear their jersey and they wear the logo. And it's amazing. You see some of these sports fans and you would think that the whole game is dependent on them. Oh, I never go to a game. Last time I went to the game in person, they lost. Oh yeah, it was you there. It was your presence there that cost that that last run. But we feel so attached, so connected that we want, you know, to identify with this team, with this tribe. Or maybe it's a band, it's music. You have a tribe around the music. I mean, you had people following the Grateful Dead wherever they would go. Deadheads, it became a whole culture. Even clothing. Fashion now has its own status. Who would have thought that years ago you would be wearing the label on the outside of your clothes? Right? Before you didn't know where the clothes came from. It could have been Louis Vuitton or it could have been Walmart. You didn't know. But now it's right across. I mean, how did the garment industry and fashion industry get to have advertising that you would do for free? You buy it and you wear it. Why? Because look what I wear. Now they have knockoffs, right? You go to L.A., I can't afford one of those purses, but I can get this one. Why? Because we want to be connected to something. We want to belong to something. They saw these men and they saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They didn't have the education that they had. They didn't have the affluence that they had. They were unschooled and ordinary, but they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. And I love that because what they are seeing is that they are now witnesses of what Jesus did. Remember, they were first called Christians in Antioch. They didn't give themselves that name. They didn't stand and plant a flag. Here we are. We are Christians. Come and join us. People saw them and said, they're like Christ. And they gave them the name. See, in the early church, people saw them and called them Christian. Today, we call ourselves Christian and the people look at us and call us hypocrite. Because we are not living the witness that Christ lived. And so these unschooled, ordinary men are astonishing them. I love that. Because this is where we enter the story. This is where we come into play. Or at least me. See, I don't come into faith with all that I can offer God. Yes, God, you should pick me because... Let me tell you what I can do. 
Even like Paul tells the Corinthians in chapter 1, not many noble, not many wise. No, we're just ordinary. I don't come from noble birth. I I don't have any lineage that makes me more important. I, I don't have education that sets me above others. Unschooled, ordinary men. And this is... This is where the gospel begins. With us, without our abilities, but with our ordinary selves getting God's ability. And what astonished them was that they could see Jesus in these unschooled, ordinary men. And isn't that what's supposed to be taking place in us, you know, they, they told him in verse 13, stop talking about Jesus. You need to stop talking about Jesus. It's obvious they've been with Jesus, right? Yeah, I mean, look at them. Stop telling people Jesus changes your life. Boy, you can tell their lives have been changed, can't you? And I think it's great that the people who were telling them to stop were the people who noticed the change. Isn't that amazing? They were telling him to stop because they saw there had been a change. You see, the message was being lived by these followers. People could hear what they said and they could see what they did. And they were telling the story of who Jesus was. And that's what a tribe is meant to do. And as it goes on, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Stop it. Stop healing people. What a thing to say, right? You know, stop that. We don't want everyone being healed. You know, that'll ruin our society. So, verse 15, they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin And when they confronted together, what are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this manner. We need to stop this story now. Because it is changing everybody. We need to stop them from being the witnesses because their witness is affecting everybody. And we need to stop it. What are we going to do? Verse 18, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge. As for us, We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. They are speaking about what they have seen and what they have heard. People are looking at them, what they say and what they do. And the Pharisees, the religious people, are terrified. What were they afraid of? Why did they want them to stop? 
because their example, their witness, their continuing the story was taking over the culture. You know, it's amazing the influence that this early church had that I don't even think we credit fully today. I mean, you think about the Jewish people, they had the Sabbath, where they would take the Saturday off and they would have Saturdays off. The Christians come along and Christ was raised on Sunday and so they took Sundays off. And so now they've given us the weekend. We have Saturdays and Sundays off. If you don't thank Jesus for anything, you should thank Him that He gave you the weekend. You see, they influenced the culture. The story, the witness, changed the lives, changed the culture. And they were afraid because they saw the change happening, but they were powerless to stop it. You see, we were never designed to live in isolation. What we saw in verse 32 in the end was born out of what we're seeing here in these first verses of the chapter. The reason they had all things in common was because they were continuing the legacy that Jesus has left for them to lead, for us to live. We, we are to see ourselves in this story. We're to look at it and say, oh, what a great example. But we're to look at it and say, that's our example. We are to be the people where people will hear what we say and see what we do. And the message of who Jesus is will be witnessed by how we live. But you see, what the Roman Empire was unable to do we in the church have managed to do. The Roman Empire was unable to quiet the voice and stop the story, but now we are afraid to tell our story. We are afraid to be the witness, and so we still our own voices for fear of what people will think. The Roman government could not quench what God was doing in these people because their witness was changing the lives of the world around them. Why aren't lives being changed around us? It's because we don't have enough technology? Is it because, you know, we we don't have the quality and the education? They were un learned ordinary men. Does anyone fall into that category besides me? Right? Here we are. What's the difference? The difference is they saw themselves as the witnesses. They saw themselves together in this. They were the ones who were to continue the good news, the story of who Jesus was, that message And so they tried to stop them. 
They called them again. They were going to tell them to stop speaking. Verse 21, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for them. For the man who was maliciously healed or miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Verse 23, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together and prayed to God. This is the only prayer recorded in the book of Acts by the apostles. And and so here they're being persecuted. They've been thrown into jail. They've been warned not to, to speak about Jesus anymore. And so their prayer is, Lord, give us the city of Jerusalem. God, Stop them from persecuting us. Lord, help us to be successful. Help us to be wealthy. Help us to be comfortable in our living. Wait, no, that's a different book. What is their prayer? Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city, conspiring against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Listen to this, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. God, allow us to continue telling the story. You see, a tribe has a history. A tribe has a common story. This is our story that they just told, what God has done through Jesus Christ. This is our shared history. This is our shared story. We come into this with nothing to offer but receive all that God has to give. And we come to the place where you say, God, I have lost everything that I have. I have nothing. And God says, I have more for you in your nothing than you could imagine. From here, I will take you and I will give you more than you need. And so here we are in our poverty and we find that we're actually rich because of what he has done. This is our story. This is our history. This is our legacy. This is the message that we take to the world. And this is what resonates in the hearts and the souls of every human being on this planet. We are all bankrupt. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God has heaven waiting for those who have nothing. If you will come to me. And this is the story we carry And God answered their prayer. As he goes on and he says, verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they did many miracles and healed many people. 
and spoke in tongues all over the world. Now they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. The story continued through their lives. And it changed the culture they lived in. It changed the world around them because they continued to tell what God has done. I wonder, why is it that we're not changed? I've heard the story. I've received Jesus. But why don't I see the power of God in, in my life? Maybe it's because you're not giving away the story. Maybe it's because you're not continuing and speaking it to others. You see, so many times we think, well, if I receive Jesus, then I'm changed. But I, I think what really changes us is when we receive Jesus and then we continue to be his witnesses and we actually give Jesus away. That's what changes us. Not holding on to it, but doing what it's supposed to do and being the witnesses of it. How are you a witness of it? By the things you say and the things that you do. See, the power of God was demonstrated on them because they showed kindness. The power of God was on them because they cared for one another and they continued doing what Jesus did. And what's amazing is, is the, the Roman government and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they thought they had crushed Jesus to pieces, but then they saw the little pieces gather together and form a tribe and start to change the world around them because they couldn't silence the message. They were now witnesses of it, not just in what they said, but in how they lived. And maybe there is no power in our lives because we are not witnessing of the truth. We are not continuing the story. We are, are taking it. We're coming to church and we, we're glad we're here and we're happy for these things. But don't you realize for a tribe to exist, the story needs to continue. The history that we have isn't meant to just be embraced and held on to. It's meant to be shared to those around us. This tribe needs to grow. It is our commission. It is what we are called to do. We have to move outside of ourselves. You never fully tell the story until you own it. And it will never fully own you until you begin to tell it. And you see, the... The burden that Jesus bore and the cross that Jesus bore for us was also passed on to them. The persecution continued to them. And Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. The sacrifice that was given continued in a different way, but there was a sacrifice of their lives to God. And you see, one of the things I love about baptism, baptism is this symbolic recognition that God has 
done something and we all go into the same watery grave. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much education you have. We all go into that same watery grave and come out in the new life that Christ gives. We all have the same story. We all have the same history. We all begin here where we die and come alive to Christ. But we have to move from a place of being a spectator and being a participator. We have to move from being a person who just receives to being the people who care enough to give. To give of our time. To give of our finances. To give of our comforts. To see this witness spread. To see this story carry on. It will go nowhere if we will not be the examples of what it is. And we are only examples when we stop spectating and we start participating. When we involve ourselves into this, where we don't just receive what the tribe has to offer, but we contribute to it. It's no longer about me, it's about us. And then people see our love for one another, our care for each other, our extending ourselves out to those who are hurting. And they will know we are his disciples because of how we love one another. You see, that's why 5,000 came to this message they could see as well as hear the story of Jesus was continuing now through these people. And the same thing is true for us. I talked with a friend. I went out and had something to eat with a friend of mine who, who's come here once before, a few times before. And he said, you know, one of the things that I thought was missing when I was there was the community. I felt like people were just coming, kind of going to church, and then a lot of people were leaving. And he wasn't saying it in a, a way to be negative. He was saying it to try and help me to see what he saw. And it broke my heart. Because I know that's not true for all of you. I, I know a lot of you are very well connected with one another. But that someone would get the impression that we aren't here for each other is disturbing and it is... It is quieting the voice of God in our lives. It is taking the witness and hiding it. It is failing to recognize why we even meet. You guys don't come here to hear me give some great talk. Because if you do, I feel sorry for you. What we do is we gather here to remind each other of who we are to encourage one another to love and to those good deeds. And we talked about that at midweek. We are here to spur one another on. We are here to continue the story of God and how we live so that everyone who comes into this place senses and knows that even though they may be an ordinary person, they are so loved. You don't know my background. It doesn't matter. 
you are welcome here. The grace and mercy of God will be extended here. The care of God will be seen in our midst. If we would begin to do this, we could see ourselves in this story. We could read, 5,000 came to know the Lord. If we begin to really love one another, people will be drawn to who He is because it is the story that will change the world. We have the story that can end racism in the United States. We have the story that can end poverty in the United States. We have the story that can reach out to those who are neglected, who are abused, who are broken. We have the story that can heal the heart of humanity. We have that. It is our legacy. It is our history. And it is meant to be our future and our destiny. And we need to live it. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as I examine my own heart, Lord, I am aware of my selfishness. I am aware of how I want to run and hide and seclude myself in my own world. And I forget at times, God, that I am here not just for my own needs. I'm here for the needs of others. And Lord, it's outside of my comfort zone and it pushes me sometimes where I don't want to go. But it's where I need to go if I'm going to be your witness, if I'm going to continue your legacy. Lord, it's where we all need to go. And and Lord, my prayer as we are here is that everyone who is here now would hear your voice and, and your spirit would fall upon us. And our prayer would be that of the apostles. Give us boldness to speak. Give us boldness to live. Fill us with the Spirit so that we can continue to proclaim who you are to the world around us. Lord, may we indeed be the light of the world that you've called us to be. Lord, if we are here and we recognize that we are not, then your words are here to encourage us that we are. So may we recognize who you are and the legacy we've been called to continue. Let's stand together. I'm going to have the guys sing a song. And as they're singing, I want you to worship and I want the things that we have heard this morning to resonate in our hearts and minds and let God minister to us. And I'll say a few words afterwards. I want to encourage you this week to pray for boldness. Every day, pray for the boldness to be able to share this story with the people around you. I want you to to care enough 
to want to tell this story with someone else and recognize that it wasn't just given to you for you, that you are the ones, we are the ones, who continue to be witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the world. And may the God who raised Christ from the dead quicken your mortal bodies. May He give you the boldness to shine and be the light of the world. May you recognize the calling that you've been called to. And may you continue to love one another and in so doing, prove and show the world you are His disciples. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.